I will join with the video. That's right. Boom, 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 boom. Join with computer audio. <laughs> I'm quite happy to be a cog, as long as I don't stop the machine. And you can rage against the machine if you like. That's fine too. Thanks for doing this, Andrew. You're a ledge. Are you kidding me, man? No, this. I listen. I, you you got me through lockdown, dude. I was listening to your show constantly while I was in London. Yeah, man, for real. Like you gave me so much comfort. You introduced me to so much new music and reminded me of old stuff that I love. And I, I was heartbroken to hear you were leaving your show and so happy that you're, you're you've carried on in your own way, man. Like seriously, I'm a, I'm a really big fan. That's of, ridiculous. Of all you do. Well, no, it's not at all. You know what? I'm, I'm just praying that Nat's got that on. On uh, she's recorded. I was it. trying to wait. I was. I wanted to wait <laughs> to make sure that it was provable in a court of law. Because it's mostly for my eldest Arthur. I, Will's Will's quite a big. He's mostly the Spider-Man stuff. Ovs. But they're like, Arthur just keeps bombarding me yeah. with questions. You've got to ask him this. You've got to ask him that. What about the third one? I'm not going into that with him, Arthur. I'm not going to go into that. But um, <laughs> but thank you for saying that. It's extremely kind of you. Um, no, well, the truth. I'll do a little intro and then off we go. Okay. The festival. Here we go. There's really nothing quite like it. How are you guys doing? When you pick the right acts to see... It's musical nirvana. So if given the power of the festival gods to have absolutely any act you desire, alive or not, playing in that perfect spot at the perfect moment, who would you choose? MC5. Oh, yeah. And Stooges. Detroit Supernova. I just imagine this is the perfect one. It's going to be Burt Bacharach <gasps> and Friends. I was like, yes! It's such an anthem for yes! that, isn't it? If you're wearing a coat, you go take that coat off, baby, <laughs> and get wet up. Behold, the greatest day of our lives. Oh, yeah. Let's go! Welcome to the lineup, you beautiful spirit of Eden. Yes, that's exactly what I want. I just want to be held. <laughs> My soul is a cigarette burn. <laughs> now, listeners to this podcast will know that I don't like to compare myself to my guests. So I wouldn't want to overshadow anybody else's achievements. I don't like going on about the fact I came forth to fifth at the Sony Radio Awards 2009. So I won't do it with today's guest. To be fair... He's an Oscar-nominated BAFTA Award-winning actor who's also conquered Broadway, won a Tony Award for The Magnificent Angels in America. He's been a superhero, The Amazing Spider-Man. Plus, he learned to play the bloody piano and develop his singing voice for his latest film, Tick, Tick, Boom, available now on Netflix. It's a beautiful piece of work, so he's probably not that threatened. Let us talk fantasy festivals with Andrew Garfield. Hello. <laughs> so very overwhelming and kind introduction and i'm and, and i'm gonna just say really quickly in case just for the record sean that you did get me through lockdown your music taste your erudite nonsense i got me through lockdown dude and i was so like reassured by the the dulcet tones of um of your voice um most days and so thank you from the bottom of my and i know i speak for a lot of people out there who feel the same way that we we all we all miss you on your show but I'm very, very glad that you exist in the world. And wow. yeah, I'm very, very happy to be talking to you. Well, that's the end of this week's Good night. lineup. Uh, we'll see you <laughs> next week. Uh, that's extraordinarily kind. Thank you. I'm going to play that back to the kids because they will be <laughs> blown away. What, Dad? What? He knows who you are. Yeah, he knows who I am. <laughs> a couple of cool dad points there for me. Um, well, let's start off, let's just warm up with a couple of bits. I'm a bit pissed off at you that I didn't get asked to do Spider-Man, Andrew, because back, back in the day, back in the late 70s, the early 80s, that first Spider-Man film came out, and me and our arms developed a technique of climbing up the door frames. I don't know if you did this as a kid. You sort of put your back against the door frame and you put your feet against the other side and you climb up to the top. And we'd sort of spend most of the summer holidays up there and our parents <laughs> and our grandparents would walk underneath us. And we 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 were inspired by the, the Spider-Man story, but yeah. I didn't get asked to do it. But Right, um, yeah. It, it's, a, it's a shame. <laughs> it didn't get asked to do it. How, no. can I, wait, Sean, how old are you? Is that a rude question to us? No, it's not. It's not because I, I know what you're going to say when I say I'm 49 and a half. You're going to say, my you, God, you look no younger. Way. You sound much younger than that. <laughs> No, but it's so funny, man. So I'm, 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 I'm only ten years younger than you, and I had, I had a similar thing. But I was a little bit older when those, when that first Tobey Maguire movie came out. Yeah. I, I didn't climb up the, the, the door frame, but I, 
me and my friend Terry McGuinness, and we were in drama school together. This wonderful Liverpudlian Irish guy who is just an incredible actor and singer, and like just just loved him. We we would we would get stoned, very very stoned, most weekends <laughs> together and watch movies. And it was the the weekend that the that Tobey Maguire's Spider Man came out, and we got more stoned than usual. And we 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 I was eighteen, nineteen, and then you know of course we're two drama students, so like we go back to Terry's really disgusting, rugged, awful, rat infested flat, and we just get more high and we look in the mirror and we practice the who am I I'm Spider-Man line and Terry cracks up every single time I try to do it and he the direct quote is oh Andy you'll never be fucking Spider-Man you fucking idiot like and and so I I remind him of it constantly it's the ultimate <laughs> wish fulfillment isn't it it we really should, is. We could get to come on to your like the the rat infested drama school apartment a bit later on when we talk about Jonathan Larson and Tick Tick Boom because it's a big part, sort of a big part of it, really. I, I must ask where you are in the world actually, because you're not in SM17, are you? You're not in Banstead because that's <laughs> uh, that's where all the original, uh, you know, sort of growing up occurred, or most of it, isn't it? Yeah, correct. Yeah, I, I was born in Los Angeles. My dad's American. My mum, my mum was English. My mum was from Essex. My dad was from LA, and then he was moved over to the UK when he was thirteen. He was just getting into the Beach Boys and skate culture and surf culture out here, and then he was put on a boat with his parents, <laughs> landing in in in, um, in in England, and then fell in love with England, and you know met a, a, a beautiful Essex girl that was my mum, and then married her and then whisked her away to LA again. And then they, they lived here for, um, cause I'm in Los Angeles right yeah. now. Um, and they, they lived here in LA for, uh, about five years together, had me and my brother. And then my mom realized that she would, she wanted to raise, she wanted to raise us near our grandparents and, and in Europe and in, in, in England, in London. And like that just culturally, it would felt better and to be near our family and all that. And I'm, I'm really grateful for it, to be honest. I think, um, yeah. I think I would have ended up a bit a bit wackier than I am if I was raised in in California. Yeah. Like I love California, but but the UK is definitely um, you know my, my my home and where all my my people are. So and as yeah. I say, like look, look, as soon as I, we were in the middle of shooting Tick Tick Boom in New York when um, the pandemic hit, and I immediately said, "Well, I've, I've got to get back. I've got to get back home and be with my people." And, and like, um, and my my brother's a doctor in at the the Royal Brompton Hospital in Chelsea, right. and like. He needed a lot of support and help because he's a lung doctor. So like he's Christ. been, yeah, man, he's been um, having a pretty rough go of it for the last two years. But he's the person that you really want being your lung doctor in a pandemic because he's, he's the person that that works too hard. You know, he stays he stays for three hours after his shift and he 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 makes sure all of his patients are comfortable before he goes home. He's he's one of those kind of like angels on earth in human form, and I. I'm, I have so much um, love and respect for him and kind of admiration of what he's done, especially over the last two years, but generally as well. So anyway, yeah, it was, and then, and then I got, I got deeper in with your, with your radio show. So there, there was silver linings all over the pandemic, mate. Okay, and you were I'm one just, of them. I'm pinching myself under the desk here. <laughs> I, I wondered if, I wondered if Banstead, if you are uh, anywhere near the Dorking cock there, Do you, was that something oh, yeah. that was installed after you were sort of uh, mostly living there? You, is that, that, that's something of a, of a, of a, a sort of um, a local landmark, isn't it? The Dorking Cock. I don't. I was. I used to go to Dorking Swimming Club. I was part of Dorking Swimming Club, but I don't know. I, I, I was probably too young to go to the Cock at that point. Well, yeah, you probably were. But you, you the next time you get a chance, you must. You, you, there's a there's a particular roundabout, and there's like an an eleven foot what looks like an eleven foot chrome cockerel. And uh, and it's not that far as the crow flies or the cockerel flies from Banstead, so it's well worth checking out. I will um, check it out. No, you you have to place this fantasy festival somewhere in the world. That's why I'm being a bit geographical. So where where in the world would you put it? Ooh man, it's so it's it's so annoying. But the first place that I have to go with the first place that comes to my mind, and it's it's horribly cliche, but. It's where the ley lines meet, you know, it's where the pagan rituals happened. And there's already a pretty famous festival that happens there. <laughs> and I don't, I don't, I, maybe I just do a, a neighboring smaller mm. boutique festival yeah. in, in Bruton or like somewhere else in, in Somerset. <laughs> I don't know, but like, God damn that, you know, Michael had a brilliant idea to, and like to, to create this harebrained scheme that's turned into 
the most. Oh, or, so it would either be that or or Big Sur in California. You've yeah. been to Big Sur in Northern California. I, uh, unbelievably, Central California? I've not been to Big Sur, and I've, I'm desperate to do it. But oh um, man, it's another that? one of those places. It feels like Glastonbury. It, 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 but it, but it's like geographically, it's different because you know it's you got redwoods, you got these massive redwood forests, and then you have this like incredibly dramatic cliff edge, and then you have the Pacific wild, rough Pacific Ocean. And you feel surrounded by the elements mm. in the most profound way. And you feel like you could be destroyed at any given moment. And there's a, there's the, there was a, a Native American tribe called the Esalen tribe that used to, um, that, that still exists in, in, in small numbers there. And they called that, that place where the, the cliff edge meets the ocean, the window of souls. And they thought they, that their idea and their cosmology is where, um, they had to make sure that every soul that, every person that died in their tribe had to pass through that window of souls and they, they, they did all their rituals through this window of souls. And you feel it when you're there, man. Like it's a weird, like I'm getting a bit woo-woo yeah. in Northern California now, but like you can feel the kind of, um, that there's a spiritual presence there. So I think maybe I'll, maybe in lieu of Glastonbury, yeah. I'd, put, I'd put it in the Redwoods and I'd, I'd make that. a path to the ocean, yeah. I've always wanted to do a Sequoia, you know. And I, yeah. I, me and my mate Kev went out to California in 2002 and we were such bellends that we, we, we hadn't really done any, any research and we didn't think we had to drive. And so we spent the first two days in Los Angeles just walking and everybody thought that we were, we were down insane. on our luck, you know, or insane. We spent a whole afternoon in a bathroom showroom looking at taps. So, you know, we're not, we're not particularly good at this kind of stuff is what I'm saying. Have you been, have you been to Glastonbury, by the way? Have you, have you yeah, done Glastonbury? Yeah, yeah, I've done it a few times i just love that you went tap shopping in los we angeles we did we, we came up with a great idea actually for a film with al pacino and robert de niro as rival tap salesmen you know and they're they're talking like that about you fuck i got a fucking waterfall tap you motherfucker and i got it for 9.95 i'm gonna undercut you by fucking 15 cents motherfucker you know and and, and but nobody's picked up on it um well let's let's we, we so we've got it in big sur beautiful the, yeah. the window of souls we've got the sequoias in the distance there we've got the pacific it's so beautiful and, yeah. and we need to we're going to call it something i've got an idea but i want to see if, if anything comes off the top of your head andrew Ooh. I want, I, to be honest, you came in hot. I want to hear your idea, Sean. All right. Well, it's a sh it, doesn't, <laughs> right. Doesn't, it doesn't fully fit now because it's not, it's not necessarily in the right terrain, but I was going to call it Garfields. Uh, it's very good. You know what I mean? Because you have cream fields, uh, you know, and that kind of thing. Yeah, it's, often, it's good. You know, that we, we perhaps will find a field to put it in, so... It's good. It's a little, it's a little egotistical. I'm not sure if I want my, my name within... I think I, I'm I'm working I'm working all the time to take my ego out of things, so I think it's going to be it's might may not be the, the the path for me. Yeah, but let, let, let's let's go with it because it is pretty it's pretty simple and pithy and 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 reasonably catchy, uh, and I, I like it. We'll come we'll come back to that as well because our existential and and uh, corporeal natures a little bit later on if we get the time. Check one. Testing. Is everybody ready yet? Yeah? We good? We're ready, let's go. Let the day begin. Let's move to the Dawn Chorus. So just to give you a full okay, picture of what happens here, it's like a whole festival in a day. It starts early, it finishes late, but it doesn't. you don't have to worry about it going over mm -hmm. a weekend. And we're just going to plot five acts all the way through it. Um, and we're starting early, starting in the morning. Nice. Did you have any sort of formative festival experiences, Andrew? Did you, you know, I know that you were into skateboarding. And I think you were a bit into stuff like Rage Against the Machine, The Beasties, and all exactly, those classic yeah. acts. Was that your sort of entry point gateway into finding music? Yeah, definitely. Um, the first gig I ever went to was, and the first mosh pit I was ever in, and the first time I ever crowd surfed was the Beastie Boys Intergalactic Tour in Brixton. <gasps> It was like a kind of oh. like trial by fire. And like, I was at the age, I was like 14 or something. And I, and I was a small, like stunted growth, 14 year old kid that, that weighed, you know, three stones. So like, 
I was just on this treadmill of uh, crowd surfing and all the guys, all the other big guys in the audience didn't give a fuck because they were just like kept tossing me over the front and the security <laughs> guy was like, oh, it's you again, little fucking. And they, they put me back into the audience and I kind of weasel my way in. I was like, hey, do you mind lifting me up? And it was like every song I got like one crowd surf. It was like one of the, and my, my shirt was ripped. I lost a shoe and I was sweating and like, it was like one of the great, one of the great nights. I never saw Rage Against the Machine live. That was something that, I, I I felt like I missed out on. Um, they were so sensational. I mean, and and they they still like stunt, aren't they? So it's possible. I I went I went to watch them in 2010. They did a thing over here about that time where it was around that time where all the X Factor guys were constantly getting right. number one, and a couple of geniuses over here decided to to push to get Killing the Name off to number one in the charts, which they did. And, mm. uh, and they said, if we get to number one with Killing in the Name of, we'll, we'll do a massive free gig at Finsbury Park, which they did. They were as good <laughs> uh, as they were. And they, they were fucking ridiculous. Yeah, amazing, um, man. Well, so, I mean, so that's your entry point. But uh, for the Dawn Chorus, for the first act, would you choose somebody like that as the first as the first artist? Who, who are we thinking? I mean, I know that we're, we're on our uppers here, but who's going to open the, the whole thing? It's it's an interesting question. Like it's it's hard it's hard to get one thing out of my head, and it's uh, it's I can't I can't escape it, and it's because I had an experience of this band as a Dawn chorus, mm. and um, there was this special gig that happened at the at the in, in in LA at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery, and it was um it was like an, an all night kind of sleepover where people brought tents and 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 sleeping bags and. You, sometimes they do films, outdoor film screenings and they kind of like project the, the film on the mausoleum wall, the Hollywood Forever Cemetery in, in Los Angeles. It's kind of spooky, incredible way to watch a film. But there was a special thing that happened where they played this kind of long documentary over the course of the night, but there was a gig that happened at, at dawn. And it was, um, it started with a bunch of Tibetan monks, like playing these like sound bath bowls, but then it led direct, it, it then kind of like seeped directly into a, a, a Bon, a Bon, Bon Iver, Bon Iver, oh, wow. um, show. And it was like, you were woken up <laughs> by this little rickety stage with, with Bon Iver kind of soothing you awake, like being backed up by these Tibetan monks playing the bowls. Um, and uh, it was one of those really profound, and you, you know, everyone was on uh, all different types of hallucinogens and, <laughs> yes. and otherwise. So it's like, it was a spiritual experience. So I would, I would want to provide, I, w- I would want to provide a beautiful wake up, like a soothing wake up to people. That's so gorgeous. That's such a lovely idea. Yeah, it's really cu- such a cool idea. So I, it's hard to get Bon Iver. I might, I, maybe if I could get Bon Iver, and I've been listening to the new Jose Gonzalez album, oh. um, Local Valley, a lot as well. And that feels like maybe the, the best music to wake up to right now because it feels like, you know, he, he, that, that album transports you to the forest. Yeah, that, it's it's such a great feeling. I don't know if you listened to it yet. No, I haven't, and and um, I'm a bit behind, as you might imagine. But I, I've not listened to Jose for a long time. But he's got such a he's got such a soothing manner, such a soothing voice, such a soothing guitar style. And mm. Bonnie Vera, of course. I mean, he's hewn a lot of his best initial music in the woods, didn't he? Just sitting in a deer shed somewhere in the middle of the Catskills or somewhere. Yeah, so trying to get but, open over a heartbreak. Yeah, I think yeah. he like he wrote his whole and and then like. And then I think, I think this is true. Like he, he was just playing it on his own and he kind of like arranged it on his own. And he was also a music teacher at a local high school. He would go, go from his cabin in the woods to a high school. And like, he discovered that a bunch of his students had, had learned the album. What? And then like, he brought two of them in to be his band. These like 18 year old kids <laughs> that like became like his bassist and his drummer, I think. Like, I just think that's so fucking cool. <laughs> He's beautiful. You've reminded me also of the time at Glastonbury when me and my mate Clive were there, I think it was 2015, and we'd had a pretty heavy night on the Saturday. And we we sort of woke up on the Sunday morning and we were a bit discombobulated, a bit confused as you often are at Glastonbury. <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm wondering God. what that sound was. And it, it was somebody talking to somebody else with a very soothing voice. And it was the fucking Dalai Lama. <laughs> He'd like it in the in the adjacent field, you know, just having a call. I, I don't know who was uh, who was interviewing. It was Anton Deck or somebody. I can't quite recall, but it was it was definitely a very spiritual and beautiful experience. Um, <laughs> Especially the Anton Deck of it all, who transported you to higher planes. 
<laughs> love it. No, come on, the Dalai Lama. You've, you've been reincarnated 44 times. Tell us which one your favourite was. Um, it was something like that. But I, I was I wanted to quickly touch on, on the idea of um, spiritual planes and, and, and hallucinogens, both of which we already mentioned. The first episode ever that we did of this was with a guy called Dan Reynolds of, of a band called Imagine Dragons, who, mm. who were a huge band, especially in America. He was a lovely gentleman. And he touched on this. He talked about... Um, you know, who he was spiritually stuck in his life and he was having problems with his marriage and different things. And, mm. and not, not that he would ever um, advocate for anybody to do anything with their bodies that was in any way a, a problem for them. But yeah. it, ayahuasca was a thing that he did and it took, right. him, it took him somewhere and it, and it repaired him in a lot of ways. Is that something, mm -hmm. that kind of thing, something you've ever thought about trying or, or getting involved with? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's definitely it's so funny you you bring up um you you bring him up because I was it's funny I was texting with him recently because the the I don't know him I've never met him but um I I obviously admire him as a musician and he's actually he's my neighbor he's not far yeah. away from me here and it's such a funny thing because the the, the new project that I'm working on I'm playing um uh, that I'm shooting in Calgary right now in Canada I'm playing a Mormon a Mormon police officer. And so I was connected to, to this person to, cause obviously he was, he, he's, he'd had his own kind of crisis of faith yeah. and, you know, trying to, he was a Mormon, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So we, we, we never got to, to have a conversation because uh, I wanted to glean you know, as much as possible uh, about what that faith is. And I had a lot of people I was speaking to, but yeah, I intend to, to speak to him and, and it makes sense that, that, that he was, he's done that ayahuasca, um, um, he's been called to that kind of thing. I mean, yeah. it's not for the faint of heart. Um, it's not something to, I, I don't know if you've had any experience with it, but, but it's, uh, it's definitely something that has, has been, oh, it concerns me a little bit because obviously, you know, we, we in the West, we take something and we turn it into a, com a commodity. Yeah. And uh, obviously what, what you were describing is like, uh, what, 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 what Dan was saying was something, he was being very respectful about the medicine, like seeing it. It's not, it's not a recreational no. drug. You know what I mean? Like it's in the same way that I think mushrooms like at best can be used as a, as a ritualistic um, kind of um, psychoactive substance that allows you deeper access to, to parts of yourself, parts of the unconscious, parts of the collective conscious, um, parts of the mystery that will, hopefully give us further insight into how to live, into how to live in a way yeah. that is more connected to nature, more connected to each other, in, 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 kinder, more true to self. You know, these are the things that I'm looking for all the time. And, and, and yeah, I have had experience with hallucinogens, yeah. but I, I have a lot, of a lot of respect for what these medicines do. And I, the last time, the last experience I had, I, it was with... A form of ayahuasca, and it was um, something that I felt called to. It's something that I, I I believe you either feel called to or you don't, and yeah. and you you know when the moments come where you you're ready to take a take a dip or take a dive into the everything, and you feel equipped to do that because it can it can be quite untethering, and it can be quite overwhelming. And I have to say, I had a very overwhelming experience, and I did it with with some friends and some trusted people in a really in a really kind of we were out in we were in Glastonbury actually at a friend's at a friend's farm out there. And, you know, we were, we were out in nature in that way and it was the perfect setting. And even so, you know, you get given, you get given an experience that is totally unique to you and it's not, it's not always pleasant. So for yeah. me, there's a lot of talk about ego death when, when you do these things and you, you kind of, you, you have big realizations of the, of, of how, how identityless you actually yeah. are and how at the end of at the end of life, you don't get to take any of this with you. you yeah. Like the idea of, you know, I wish Rupert Murdoch would go and do a big, you know, week of, of like ayahuasca kind of rituals because he would realize that being the richest man in the graveyard maybe maybe ain't the way to live, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. so, so for me, it's like, it's something that I, I, so since doing that, I did this, my last ceremony like three, three years ago and four years ago now. And I, to be honest, I haven't wanted to, to shift my, my my mind or my my psyche in any way since then because I got given a lot of information yeah. and it kind of overwhelmed me so I'm 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 still unpicking what I was yes, given from that experience and like and and then I I also got given 
like a, a real clear picture of how delicate the psyche is and how delicate we are. That's and, right. and, and I was like, oh man, this is to be handled with real care. But I'm so happy that I had that experience, but it was definitely, um, it was definitely overwhelming and not for the faint of heart. But, no. de- but, but, but I would, I, I do think it's something if you feel called to it, to be, to, to be kind of um, respectful of it and to, to go towards it without, without rushing into anything yeah. for sure. I think, I think you're right. And, and, um, this might, you know, this kind of situation can lend itself, uh, certainly in, in a beautiful setting with the most beautiful music. I mean, we've just had, we've just had some beautiful music to start with. Bon Iver, we've got the, we've got those, the, the chants and the rhythms in the <laughs> background. And as that sort of subsides into the, into the ether, we have to start thinking about the next artist that we're going to have on Andrew Garfield's festival bill. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? (laughs) Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. (laughs) If these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. Oh, where do we go from from Bonnie to Ben Monk and Jose Gonzalez in in collaboration? Like then, like how? Where do we go? I know. Where do we go from there? I mean, what about musical theatre? Because we should mention uh, <laughs> you played you played Jonathan Larson uh, in Tick Tick Boom. It's, it's out now. It's on Netflix. Uh, for those that don't know, he wrote the musical Rent. It's uh, directed by Lin Manuel Miranda. <laughs> it sort of speaks of our brief time on Earth, doesn't it? In many ways, and the value of art versus commerce. There's so many big questions in it. What was it about that particular artist that drew you into the story? Yeah, no, thanks for asking about him. Is someone someone that I love a lot and someone who's no longer with us, he died. So Jonathan Larson was an unrecognized artist in his lifetime. He's, he, he died at the age of 35 um, the, the night before, oh, he died of an aortic aneurysm, of a heart attack, the night before the first preview of his opus Rent off Broadway. So he didn't get to see any of his success and the rent went on to win the Pulitzer and the Tony and the, it's, you know, he, it became, uh, it changed musical theater for, he, he created a musical for the MTV generation back in the nineties. He revolutionized the genre. He revolutionized the, the form. Yeah. He was someone that was met with failure, rejection. He kept all of his rejection letters. He kept all of his, um, you know, non-wins. You know, he, he, he was someone that, like, in, not, not, not dissimilar to someone like Van Gogh, who woke up every morning, mm. was told he was crazy and was told that this painting style was never going to take off and that it was ugly and, like, whatever, like, but still decided to paint anyway. Um, and John got up every morning and was told that he wasn't going to make it and what he had to offer wasn't enough. And he still decided to make music anyway. And he's left the world richer for it. I find that really moving. Like we, we as human beings, but especially people who are in the arts, like we, we do like to be told we're, we're good at what we do. We do like to, it for it to be reflected back. But I find it so deeply moving that this this is a guy that just got no harvest. He got no applause. He got no love. He got no adulation. And yet he, he, he couldn't let go of this thread of his life that he knew he had to make art. He knew he had to bang out of the piano and he knew he had to sing like, like his life counted on it and like the people around him, his life counted on it. Because, you know, he was writing in the, in the, in the time of the AIDS crisis in New York City. Yeah. So he was he was literally a, a revolutionary songwriter advocating for the the dignity of his friend. So I all for all these reasons I find I find him and his life and his passion as an artist so moving. Um but but yeah, I mean I'm just I I, I got lucky that that Lynn thought I could uh 
I could get get the, my, my, my vocal chops up enough to, to do, do justice to him. Well, I mean, he, he threw a shoe at you. He was so impressed when he actually heard you doing <laughs> it, I've, I've read. And, and, and so that in mind, and you are, it's amazing. You, you took you took piano lessons, you, you submerged yourself in the music to make it work, and it's, it's just brilliant how it does. But as we look, we're on the precipice of choosing uh, yes. artists too. I'm thinking, you know, who... Would it would it be somebody from the you know the musical theatre world or is it somebody completely different? You know what? Now now that we're thinking about it, now now that you've led me down that path a little bit, I'm going to go because there was a there was an album that I kept listening to in, in lockdown every single morning. So I think this would be a nice segue into it's like a nice gentle out from um, from Jose and and Bon Iver, and it's um, I would want the soundtrack of Singing in the Rain, starting with the song Good Morning. And it's um, and as people are kind of milling about the festival, getting their coffee, waking up, getting out of their sleeping bags, mm. taking mm. their first tokes of their spliffs of the day, um, having a little jig, I would want to start with that song "Good Morning," and then I think we could do some of the greatest show tunes of all time. Maybe chuck a little bit of Sondheim in there um, in in honor of him. Maybe a bit of um, finishing the hat from. Um, you know, Sunday in the Park with George, a little bit of um, Tonight from West Side Story or Something's Ooh. Coming from West Side Story. Um, and then, yeah, we'd have to put a little bit of Jonathan Larson in there as well. But the question is who would sing it? And mm. I, I, I'm, I'm, I would have to put together a kind of a, a galaxy-brained chorus of the great musical theatre voices, not unlike you see in Tick, Tick, Boom in the Sunday brunch sequence. Let's put Bernadette Peters in there. Let's put Audrey McDonald in there. Let's put Robin de Jesus in there. Um, let's put, uh, oh God, Cheetah Rivera, the Skylar sisters. Yeah, let, let's do it. Let's do a. It's a real who's who of musical theatre in the second yes. part of the day. Um, and did, did did Stephen Sondheim? Did you have contact with him? Uh, obviously, he's very recently, yeah. sadly, passed away. But he's a, he's a big part of the film. He he's he's really close. He he was a friend and a mentor to Lynn Manuel Miranda, who's right. who's who's our director, and and he was also a mentor in real life to Jonathan Larson. I I met him once at, at dinner, and I just kind of ignored him because I couldn't handle it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, you know what I mean. Yeah. Where you're like, oh, there's no way I can talk to this person. Like, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ruin everything. <laughs> like, I'm gonna combust that feeling <laughs> where you feel like you're gonna die if you if you make eye contact with someone who's just so yeah. brilliant. It was that feeling. I, I, and I was there with with my friend and mentor Mike Nichols, who is hilarious that I can wow. call him. I, I could call him that. Yeah. Because at the, at the start of my relationship with with Mike, I, I had the same feeling I did about Sondheim. So for me, it was like. Uh, I, I, I said hello, and I went to the other end of the dinner table and kept my kept my head down. Um, but but I know that Stephen had a really really close relationship with Lynn, and you know at the end of the film, there's this voicemail that comes through after yeah. John has finished um, and failed at this this musical that he was hoping would get produced, and he's told, you know, this isn't going to happen. You better start writing the next one, and he's like just devastated by it. But he does. He starts writing the next one, and. In the midst of that decision, he gets this voicemail from Stephen Sondheim saying, hey, that was really, really good. You should be proud. I'd love to give you a couple of pointers moving forward. And um, so Lynn showed the film to Steve and Stephen was very, very complimentary of the film, felt very um, honored that he was portrayed in such a royal way in the film. And then he said, but I have a couple of notes and those notes I, uh, I wouldn't, I don't think I would say that in a voicemail to John. Would you mind if I rewrote something and I'll, and I'll send you a recording of it in case you can't get the actor back to do it? And Lynn said, that sounds fine. Um, and so you have his voice at the end of the film. You have Stephen Sondheim's voice. Oh my God. A voice message for me as John. And in effect, you know, he's leaving a voice message for all young artists yeah. in this film. It's like one of his final messages to the world, which is, stick at it yeah. and be proud and um, carry on in the face of all of this difficulty. I just find that really moving. Like, it's so cool to me. It's a beautiful ending and what a, what a wonderful way for it to, to be wrought out as well. 
Um, Stephen Sondheim, ladies and gentlemen, and that that's going to be gorgeous in the middle of the day. You know, that sort of whole a, a musicals medley, uh, because that's one of the great things I think about festivals when yeah. you, the, people play songs that everybody in that audience knows, and that's that's what we're going to have there. So, I mean, I, I'm aware that it will become a hostage situation, and your time is precious. So, we I just want to make sure that we get uh, we get all your choices in. So yeah. we, we get we get to lunch. We're not fasting, are we? I mean, I know that sometimes no. we're not going to fast. What we're going to eat at this lunchtime <laughs> juncture because it, carbohydrates are incredibly important Andrew as you know at a festival <laughs> so what is it going to be I'm thinking I'm thinking a family style kind of um, potluck thing but like a southern style so it's like fried chicken mm. and grits mm. and collard greens and then we'll I, and, I, and then I think men, your mention of carbs I think we have to have like a really good pa- pasta buffet um, I, you know, and, 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 you know, free drugs for people as well. Free and drugs. like those, those great Red Cross tents that you have at Glastonbury <laughs> that I've spent multiple <laughs> nights in, in the midst of, at, at, um, in the midst of my terror, like the, the wonderful nurses that you, that you, you, you walk by at 5am totally lost and they just look at you in the eye and you, you crumble and you say, and they say, do you, do you want to come in and have a, have a cup of tea and a little lay down? Oh. And I'm like, yes, that's exactly what I want. I just want to be held. My soul is a cigarette burn. I don't know what I I don't know what I am and I don't know who I am. Um, oh, that's that's beautiful. How are you doing out there? Are you ready for the next act of the day? People, make some noise! Okay then. So after the musicals medley, uh, uh, yeah. some of the greatest voices of all time. What do we What do we have next? I think it's time to rage, man. I think it's time to to get to get it going. And I, and and I want to make a mashup. I want rage against, rage against the machine, but I want but I also want Tyler the Creator. Ooh, yeah. I want Ty- Tyler the Creator Beautiful. combined with Rage. I think they would make something. Oh my god! Pretty wild. Maybe maybe the whole the whole the whole Golf Wang kind of crew intermingled with um with rage i think that would be kind of insane that would be and that would be next level shit wouldn't it because it, yeah. it speaks to i mean I, I certainly remember being a young lad youngish when uh that first rage record came out and even if you're not always uh, you know conversant with all the zach de la roche's lyrics it, there's something about the delivery i don't know if you've seen it there's a there's a fantastic like um I can't remember yeah. the name of the band now. It's like a sort of brass version of Wake Up. And uh, they've got this incredible lady on mm. vocals who just delivers it so powerfully. There's something about that music that he saw hairs on the back of the neck, isn't there? It's just, especially yeah. in a festival environment, it would just be incredible, I think. Yeah, it's primal. It, like, it, it's, yeah, no matter your political leanings or your your beliefs, like what they tap into is this revolutionary spirit where you feel like you want to go to war for something that you believe in and you want to tear all systems down. Like it's like, it, what, no matter like you're, you're drinking, no matter when it comes on, like it could wake you up in the morning and you could immediately, you just want to like tear down every single like <laughs> system that is not serving everyone. Like you become a socialist immediately, yeah. like you can't help it. Um, so yeah, yeah. And, and I think, you know, Tyler the Creator holds that kind of spirit for me as well. That kind of radical, rebellious, um, teenage kind of like a sense of abandon that I just think you want to experience when you when you go to a festival. So yeah, I, I dig that. That, that will certainly energise us entering to the, the, the entering the late afternoon period of whatever this will eventually be called. Garfield yeah. is my is is my bet, but I, I, I can Garfield. see that once we once we've once we've taken a dose of ayahuasca and we've 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 experienced ego death, we might change that. Um, but to the sunset moment, no, the, the, this is always that beautiful moment yeah. in the festival. Who who are we with at this festival, by the yeah. way? Who's in your crew? I mean, that can be people that that you do love and know, but also you can augment it with, you know, any of the living or dead poets, masters of you know music or anybody. Oh wow! I mean, like it's hard to avoid my festival crew, which has remained the same since I was eighteen. Ellie, Trevor, Tom, Seb, <laughs> um, Jack, Katie, 
you know, and then we pick up stragglers along the way. Uh, that's, um, yeah, so it, that has to be the core. Um, and, and to be honest, man, like not to get sentimental, but like we don't need anyone else. Like mm. we, 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 we just want to then appreciate you know, the artists from afar, you know, uh, that, that, that's kind of everything. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll chuck my brother Ben in there cause he needs a break and he needs to let loose. Um, and we, yeah. we, we were once at Glastonbury together just separately. And I was trying to avoid him cause I, I didn't want him to tell my dad that I was doing drugs. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, Andrew. Uh, <laughs> oh, why? Um, that's hilarious. Yeah. So that's a, that's a lovely that's a lovely crew of people who know you best. I mean, it, I, that, that's a difficult thing for you to navigate. I would have thought. Is it is it easy for you to, still to 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 be at big events like festivals? Though you know, can you still roam free? Do you have a non detection technique? Yeah, I'm pretty low key, Matt. Like I I'm I'm a pretty low key person anyway. Like you can turn it off. You can you can create a force field. That, that 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 protects you and just by adjusting how you think about yourself and by just yeah. acting like just by being a person and like so I don't get yeah. it I don't get it often and and then but then at a festival if it does happen it's never it's never unpleasant it's just everyone's very happy to be there and they're happy to see someone that they've they've seen on the TV and it's like it's just it's never like you're a dick <laughs> like it's never <laughs> it's never like fuck you and everything you you stand for like i've never had that experience it's always I mean, been you know, like I, i'll tell you i'll tell you what it's like one of these days when we get a bit more time together <laughs> but no i mean like it's been it's it's always lovely and everyone's in such a good mood so like you feel like and and i love meeting new people i love i love connecting with people so if if i can connect and and that's what one of the great things about festivals is that it puts you in the in the spirit of community that, that you don't often get to have when you're walking yeah. around London and people just chat, chat each other up without any agenda. And it, you suddenly yeah. remember, remember what it is just to be a person. And uh, I think that's one of the, 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 the magical things about, about attending a festival with, with other human beings. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's that co- collegiate co- communal experience, which you can't really get in other, other ways. And I, yeah. I just want to pause it. for a bit and thank, thank you really for what you said. Uh, on the Stephen Colbert show uh, about grief, you know, uh, you talk very eloquently mm. and beautifully about it, about you losing your mom. And, you know, we never get enough time. It, it, it's very true, isn't it? We And you talk, you've, it's such a beautiful yeah. thing you say about, you know, um, art sewing up people's wounds. Um, who, yeah. musically then, who, who, are, who are the people whose words do that for you the most, who give you, give you sucker in difficult times? Cat Stevens. Really? Is he going to be on? Is it, are we going to have him? Ooh. We could put oh. him in a tent. We, what I always say is we can have an ancillary tent for all the, the, over, the people who we don't get on ancillary the main stage. Ancillary Cat Stevens. Yeah. Let, let Yusuf, sorry, Yusuf. Let's put Yusuf in a, in a, in a tent. Yeah, I, for, you know, his, his music, his words, they, you know, he, he's, a, he was a, he's a searcher. He always was mm. and he always is. Like, he's someone that's looking for how to be here, how to be here alive and how to be here as awake as possible, as connected as possible. And, and, you know, amidst all the heartbreak, you know, you know, you know what else there's, um, there's an album that I was listening to when my mum passed that really got me through the, that, that period of time. And it was Ghosting by Nick Cave. Mm. Oh my God, man. Well, that's a guy. That's a guy who's, who's, you know, sort of stared it in the face and, 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 and hasn't flinched. Really. Yeah, ex- that's exactly right, man. And that, and I think if if we can all be that courageous and that brave, then 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 we'd maybe find out some of the secrets of of how to live. And 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 thank you for bringing it up because it's something that weirdly we don't talk about. We don't talk about this thing mm. that's going to happen to us all. <laughs> like we spend our time yeah. trying trying to actually ascend above you know, this, this thing that should just be fucking humbling us every day. And I think, you know, for a lot of us that have been through the, what we've been through in the last couple of years, hopefully we've all got a big dose of humility of the, the, the delicate tender nature and sacred nature of the miracle of breathing in and out together. Like, and how sure it's going to be like, and I think that's the only way that we can make something meaningful out of life is if we know that it's not going to last. And and I, I know that's the, the truth for me. And then you look at, 
You look, and and you, you only have to look as far as the great art that comes out of loss. You know, Ghostine being one of those albums, and you know jo- Jonathan Larson writing Rent being one of those musicals that that came out of the loss, loss yeah. of all of the people that were getting getting AIDS and and dying around him at such a young tender age. Like he, he wrote an opus, you know, Tony Kushner writing Angels in America during that terrible time of 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 loss where you where you lose and you lose and you lose and your heart breaks and breaks and breaks until it can't break anymore until you just have to kind of scream out with with a piece of work that just has to be expressed otherwise you don't know how you're going to carry on like these are the things that that make life meaningful and as you say and as we we say you know sew up our sew up our wounds and like heal our wounds by going into them and there's no way of healing them un, un, until we actually go down in yeah. and i think that is uh, something that we miss we we miss the mark on a lot so i really appreciate you bringing it up and, and as i say it's like i love talking about my mom man like i miss her so much i miss her so much every day and and if i can talk about her for a moment and if i can think about her for a moment every day i feel I feel close to her again yeah. and I feel her spirit close to me and and I the memory of her whatever it is whatever mysterious thing that we that we can feel when someone passes it's um so yeah I love it and I'm and I, I was really grateful that Stephen brought it up and because it is something we don't talk about and I, it's a weird thing it's a well, thing that we're so scared of I think that that's it, that's why it carried such freight what you said because it, I never really expressed exactly like that but that makes so much sense like that I, you, and it was a very unusual thing to hear I don't want to stop feeling this pain because mm. that's an expression of all the love that I was going to give her that I'm not going to get to give her so I'll just do it that way so mm. it made me think differently completely about it it's, it's a really gorgeous thing that so thanks, Sean. thanks for thanks. saying it man What should we do here? Our penultimate uh, artist. We've got Cat Stevens in and in the the ancillary Cat Stevens tent, uh, breaking everybody's hearts. Uh, <laughs> but who, who are we going to have on stage for the sunset to bring us to bring us to bring the sun down? Ooh, buddy, it's hard because yeah. I have again. I have an experience that I want to share with other people that I had at my first Coachella, which was Sigaros. <sighs> you know, as what? the sun came down. Before you get, I, I was, when my um, first marriage broke up, going going in a bit deep here, but yeah. Sigur Ross played at, at the Medeville Studios for Six Music and we was, I was sort of standing at the front of that and they just completely eviscerated me. I'd never, mm. I was not expecting it, but it's just something... Uh, otherworldly is I don't know what what is it that they do I don't I don't understand I have no idea it's like a chorus of alien angels that are like coming <laughs> through them I have no it's bizarre it's like a, it's like a message from another planet um, and it does it does feel like those aliens in Arrival or whatever that that Dennis yeah. Denis Villeneuve movie just like like telling us that we're tiny and that we're okay being tiny I don't know it's weird it's ethereal it is ethereal it's a strange kind of you know, Nordic chorus of angelic aliens. I don't understand, but I but I had that experience as the sun was going down in California once at, at Coachella, and I was with my crew, and it was like, oh yeah, this this is what we're here for. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but this is what we're here. So I would love to try to attempt to recreate that for people out in the forest. That'd that's be pretty cool. cool. I was going to say Louis Prima, but that's not, it's a very different thing. I want Louis Prima in here somewhere yeah. Yeah, because yeah. he means so much to me and like, and what his, his, that, that, that maybe that can be an after party actually. Yeah, maybe he yeah. can do the midnight shift. That's good. We'll put Louis Prima in after cat in the after show party uh, side tent. But Sigur Ross, Alien Angels, it's a beautiful idea. Um, and you mentioned Coachella. You, there's that wonderful video that you created with, with Arcade Fire, We Exist, a very powerful statement. Um, and and it, of course, it, it, it caused waves at the time and stuff. This is back in 2014. But there's a beautiful bit where you, you come on at the end. And it, is that actually at Coachella? That is actually at Coachella. That is that, that moment where you... Tell us a bit about what that was like. Well, it's funny because it ties into I can't get Arcade Fire out of my head for the closing act of the festival. I can't. Right. I can't because like they 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 will leave us with a strange kind of battered hope. Yeah. Because they will close with Wake Up. Oh fuck. 
They have to. <laughs> um, and that their operatic kind of sound, like that, that, that's the way I want to, I want, I want to finish the festival. And yeah, for that music video, it was, I was in the middle of the press tour for the second Spider-Man film I did. And I, and I, I was trying to make sure that I kept sane during it. Cause you know, selling a movie, you kind of, you start to lose your mind and it, you start to feel like you're, you're, you know, you, I don't know, you're, you're selling mugs and t-shirts to people. And so I, so I, I built in things in the midst of that press tour to make sure that I, I stayed in contact. You know, I didn't go crazy. Um, one of the things I did a, I did a, a one night with my, my friend's theater company, Punch Drunk Theater Company in London. Um, I did a, the, they were doing the drought, the drowned man at that point, like that immersive experiential theater. Yeah. So so after a day of press, I went there and I did like a one night acting in their show, and then I went home. I was like that, stuff like that, and then so I got to shoot this amazing video for We Exist with Arcade Fire and this fantastic director, and th- his vision was just so incredible. And it was like, yeah. So then you walk, you're in this bar, and then you walk through the this portal closet with all of these like dancing cowboy kind of like queer people and they will show you the way and then you'll come out of the portal and you'll be in Coachella. I'm like, okay, how are we going to do that? It's like, oh no, we are going to shoot the last part during the headline set for Arcade Fire on the Saturday night at Coachella and you are going to be in full drag and you're going to, you're going to walk up the steps and you're going to stand on the main stage at Coachella and you're going to finish We Exist with Arcade Fire on stage at Coachella. And I said, fuck Fuck you. (laughs) I don't know how <laughs> Do I'm going to survive. I don't want to do it. How, I don't know how I'm going to survive that. I can't even look Stephen Sondheim in the eye. Like, how am I going to survive that? But, I, you know, I had like, we did it. And it was one of those things where, you know, you ride a roller coaster for the first time and you, and you, and you kind of can't enjoy it. And then yeah. you finish and you're like, I want to do it again. I want to yeah, do it yeah. again. That's it. That was the thing. It was like, I had a, like a semi panic attack. If you look at the video, like my mouth is, is tensing up. My hands are tensing up because the, the, I, you know, being a rock star is not something I'm, I've ever experienced to have that kind of energy coming Immediate at you. Energy. Oh yeah. my fucking. And even though it wasn't for me that all the energy was going towards the band, but I just happened to be in the line of fire. Yeah. Um, like in between the band and the, and this like heaving crowd of, of life. And I was like, fuck man, this is, how do you not totally get like a, a God complex when you're a fucking rock star? Like how the hell do you avoid that? Anyway, yeah. it was one of those incredibly special nights that I will never forget for sure. So that, I mean, it's just a beautiful way to end really. Um, with Arcade Fire, yeah, I had a so very, great. very spiritual moment uh, with Arcade Fire and Glastonbury 2014 involving um, what I thought was a gin and tonic, but there was something else in there, I think. Um, and it was sensational. Um, but Arcade Fire, Sigur Ross, Rage Against the Machine and Tyler the Creator. Uh, we've got Jose Gonzalez and Bonnie Ver, and we're starting. What an absolutely incredible lineup! A beautiful, a spiritual experience and an awakening uh, with, with with just a fantastic guest and a fantastic curator. Um, Andrew Garfield, it's been a pleasure, it's been a privilege, and one of these days, uh, when we're allowed to do it, I'd love to be chatting to you in the same room. Thanks for being a wonderful guest on the lineup for us today. It's been really lovely. Likewise, Sean. I feel the exact same way. I appreciate you so much and everything that you bring and everything that you do, and I'm such a huge fan, and it's like so cool to me that I get to have conversations with people that I admire and respect so much. And yeah, let's let's get together in, in, in flesh. Let's do it. We'll do it. You're All right, much love, mate. Top pal. Thank you.